Bibles and turn to the book of First Chronicles tonight, in Old Testament, of course. First Chronicles in chapter number four. I'm reading my Bible. The goal is, I started off trying to read it through three times this year. I'm probably not going to do that. It'll probably be just two times and, and, uh, and try to read my Bible through every year. And some years I've read it through twice. And this is going to be one of those two times, a year, two times in a year uh, Bible reading times. And so I was reading through my Bible and I came to First Chronicles chapter 4. Two verses tonight, actually three. I want to start off with the, the preliminary verse. It's verse number eight. It's a verse that should be memorized. I'm being a little facetious when I say that. But uh, it's First Chronicles chapter 4, verse 8. I'm sure most of you have this memorized just like you have John 3.16 memorized. And cause begat Anab. You know that, right? And Zobadiah. You know these guys, don't you? And the families of Harari, the son of Harum. You read these genealogies, 10 chapters. And I've read my, I'm on my, I guess my 34th official time reading through the Bible. And I read these genealogies in the first 10 chapters of Chronicles. And then there's other, just chapter after chapter in the Bible of genealogies. And you say, Lord, say, Lord sometimes, why? But they're there for a purpose. And I've kind of resigned, though, that some of these, these names and so forth and some of these verses of these genealogies, we won't understand and won't know really the full impact of them until we get to heaven. Most of them are in heaven. Most of them are children of God, as you read in the context. Some are not. Some are will be in hell, and we'll forget their names maybe. I don't know. But, uh, but we get to verses 9 and 10, and in the middle of these not just this chapter, but this whole section of First Chronicles 1, 10, chapters 10. We have all these lists of names. We get to verse number 9. And Jabez, I asked him this morning how many have heard of Jabez, and about two hands went up. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying... Notice, by the way, his mother called his name Jabez. Because I bear him with sorrow. We'll come back to that. And Jabez called on the name of, on the God of Israel. The God of Israel he called on. Interesting. Saying, and this is his prayer. Oh, that thou would, wouldest bless me indeed. And enlarge my coast. And that thine hand might be with me. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And the Bible finishes all that we know about Jabez with this phrase. And God granted him that which he requested. Some have called this the prayer of Jabez. We'd like to preach on the prayer of Jabez tonight. Let's, let's make our prayer here. Heavenly Father, in the minutes that we have together around thy word, Lord, teach us about Jabez tonight. Teach us about, teach us about his prayer. We know that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Lord, have your will and way in our hearts and lives tonight. Lord, teach us from thy word. Give us understanding and attentiveness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I asked you the question on purpose. I've been, of course, involved with in... Christianity for a lot of years now, 40 plus years, or working on 50, I guess it's been now. And uh, in 2000, seems like a long time ago, tw- 21 years ago, 
Bruce Wilkinson wrote the number one bestseller called The Prayer of Jabez. Anybody read that book? Yeah, you, you old timers, you old fogies, you know, all three of us here. And then when it came out, it was, uh, this is before Amazon, this is before, uh, you know, uh, Facebook and all those other things here, but uh, it was uh, Took America by Storm. It was the number one bestseller on all the Barnes and Nobles and all the, all the high list. It was a one-hit wonder, if you will. It was a small book. I didn't read it. In fact, I, I didn't take time to, to try to find the book. I, I did read it when it first came out, and it's on my shelf somewhere, I believe, in the back, my back office, but I couldn't find it. It's a small, about a 60-page book. You can read it in an hour, hour and a half. It's not a long book. But Bruce Wilkinson dis- dissected this prayer. And uh, what do we know about this portion of Scripture? First of all, and just several things in way of introduction tonight, these are the only two verses in all the Bible that speak about Jabez. Two verses. And we've already quoted 2 Timothy 3.16, or I quoted it. All scripture is given by inspiration. God breathed. It's for a purpose. For doctrine. For instruction. For correction. For instruction in righteousness. And so these verses are important. These verses want to teach us, uh, are here to teach us something. Verse number 8 is here to teach us something, but I don't know what it is yet. I'll figure that out maybe in 20 years from now, or maybe when I get to heaven. That cause beget Anub, and so, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, in the middle of these genealogies, we find this, these two verses of Jabez. But uh, what's different with Jabez? Why did I read verse 8? Because we see that word in verse 8, the word begat. If you glance up to verses 1 and 2, you see the sons of Judah, verse 1 of the same chapter, and then we see uh, Shobel, verse 2, begat Jehath. And we see that word begat again later on in the verse. And we see the word begat. In fact, we see that word, I didn't count it up, but I'm sure we see it dozens, maybe, maybe hundreds of times in these 10 chapters, the word begat. We see this lineage, this genealogy. And what, what do we know what's different about Jabez? We get to Jabez and there's no father mentioned. Now that's a big deal. Uh, no lineage. Uh, we are left to guess why Jabez's father is not mentioned. But his mother is not mentioned only by, by the fact that he had a mother. Of course, we all had mothers. But uh, she's, her name is not mentioned. Uh, we don't know. Maybe he was a bastard child. Maybe he was an uh, illegitimate child. He used to, be, uh, uh, used to have a stigma to it, of course. Now, many children, and even children in this room and adults in this room understand that. And uh, it's, doesn't, the, the scourge, the stigma has has dissipated in, in our culture, in the Western culture, but in this Eastern culture, in this Jewish economy, in the Old Testament, this was a big deal, not to have a father. You didn't have a father, you didn't have a lineage, you didn't have a, you didn't have a heritage, you didn't have, a, you didn't have a, a record. And the Old Testament speaks much about this, and we read about, remember when uh, Esau, his birthright was birthright and blessing were stolen. He, was, he wasn't so mad about the birthright being stolen, but he was mad about the blessing being stolen by Jacob. Or remember Israel, of course. Remember the story, you New Testament, Old Testament scholars. It's a big deal who your daddy is. It's a big deal in the Old Testament economy that you had the right posterity and in line and you're one of the chosen. And I'm speaking to all probably Gentiles here tonight, I guess. We're all Gentiles probably. None of us are Jewish, so it's not such a big deal in our culture. Some have said that he was an orphan. This is conjecture. We don't know. The Bible's silent. When the Bible's silent, we have to be silent. The only thing we do is left, we're left to guess. 
make some possibilities or some postulates or some, some conjecture what, what happened with Jabez. No father mentioned. No mother mentioned by name. Why is her mother, his mother not mentioned by name? Maybe she was a lady of not the, of the greatest, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe a lady of possibly of ill repute. Maybe a lady, let me say it this way, maybe Jabez was born, we would say, out of wedlock. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, the Bible says he had brethren, though. Now, when we read that, verse number 9, what do we know about Jabez? Well, we no father is mentioned, no mother is mentioned by name. And uh, he had brethren. Now, that don't, mis- don't mistake that. And I've read a couple of commentaries, and uh, very little even written in commentaries. Did he have brothers and sisters? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. He had brethren. More likely, the, 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 the postulate is, or the possibility is, that he had family members. He had cousins. He had nieces and nephews. Maybe he had other relatives. He had brethren. His family was a big, big deal in the Jewish economy. But they're not named. And the Bible says that, uh, but uh, of course, we ask the question here, what do we know about Jabez? We, we don't know about his father. We don't know about his mother. We don't know about his brethren. We don't know, but we do know some things. We know his name. His name means, you say, what's his name mean, preacher? The Bible tells us what his name means. Look at verse number nine. The mother called his name Jabez. Why? Because I bear him with sorrow. She had a tough time, evidently, in childbearing, in childbirth. Uh, maybe he was breached. We don't know. We don't know what, but she, she had a hard time. She bore him in sorrow. Ladies, I can't relate. You mothers, I can't relate. I was like, guys, I can't relate to that. Uh, going through uh, childbirth, of course. It can be a pretty treacherous thing. But maybe he was born, born in sorrow again because of maybe no daddy. Maybe because of the lifestyle he was born in, or the, the the so-called family he was born in. And so, Jabez's name means pain. How'd you like to have a name mean, that means pain? I told Lisa Olette, uh, uh, his her granddaughter, her grandson was born two weeks ago. He had open heart surgery last week and we, he's doing fine. They had to take, rip his chest wide, wide open. Keith knows all about that. And he's, they put him back together again. He's doing wonderful. He's 14 days old tomorrow, of course. And I said, uh, she's telling me how she's almost crying. She's so happy about her son, or about her grandson. And I says uh, to her, uh, uh, do you know what Caleb means? I figured she knew. Anybody know what Caleb means? Oh, somebody knows what Caleb means. Dog. Caleb means dog. I like the name Caleb, by the way. Caleb and Joshua. We'll talk about Caleb again here in a few moments. Caleb of the Bible. But it means dog. Names mean something in the Bible. It's one thing to be called Caleb, you're a dog. It's another thing to be called Jabez, you're, you're, you're a pain. You're born in sorrow. And uh, maybe he was born on the proverbial other side of the tracks. I didn't realize until just a few years ago, by the way, just a sidebar, I didn't realize that, that was a, that's a considered a racist statement because down south they build railroad tracks and Blacks were on one side, whites were on the other side, and you were born on the other side of the tracks. I didn't realize that. I just thought, man, I felt I was born on the other side of the tracks where we grew up. My, my, my sister and I, we grew up in a kitchen that didn't have running water. My, I say the story. My grandma was 15 before she got, got uh, graduated from our outhouse. 
I was 15 years old. Our throne, I'll let you figure it out. I'm, their throne, my grandmother's grandfather's throne, if you will, and I'm being very crass now, was a five-gallon bucket. We had a lid on it, though. We were fancy. And, uh, and we had a cold room. And we didn't, we didn't know we were poor. And we, didn't, we never thought we were poor. But when I look back on it now, we were pretty poor even for Ohio standards. But it never hurt me. It was a good thing. And we never, never, never thought anything bad about it at all. So here's this Jabez. His name means poor. His name means sorrow. He has no father. He has no lineage. He has no mother named. He's got a tough life. And maybe he got to be in his teenage years. It doesn't say when he prayed this prayer. But I do want you to know that Jabez, according to verse number 10, he overcame his disadvantages. He overcame his his shortcomings. He overcame the fact that he lived in, and didn't have the right lineage, right heritage. When I went to college, I was roommates with uh, a certain fella. I can name your name. Well, at this point in time, hardly nobody would know who I'm talking about except for my wife. Uh, but, uh, I can name name. His father was a very famous, famous preacher. Very famous. Like Jerry Falwell famous. Like Jack Kyle's famous. He walked in, he had 10 three-piece suits back in 1976. He rode in the, car, rode in the campus on, uh, with his red Camaro. And uh, I rode in the campus on my 10-speed bicycle. And uh, that's true. I had one $11 suit from J.C. Penney or from Nichols Department Store. He had 10 three-piece suits. Uh, his dad uh, was founder of a college. His dad was responsible, I'm, I'm not joking when I say this, his dad was responsible for bringing 10,000 plus people into church every Sunday. One man. I can tell you stories from now until, until midnight on the, the roommate that I had. He didn't make it through his freshman year of Bible college. He was what's called, the reason why I didn't name his name, he, he was, we used to call it shipped. It means he was kicked out of college for an infraction that he made. He was, came from the highest family that you could ever come from, from fundamental Baptist, and, and, he, and he fell. And it's really sad. Here's Jabez. He had no heritage, no lineage. But I want you to know, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Romans 8, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. He called on the, it's interesting, one more thing before we get to the prayer. It says, verse number 10, as we dissect, if you believe every word of God is pure and every word of God is there for a purpose, it says, he called on the God of Israel. Notice it doesn't say he called on the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, Jehovah. He didn't call on the Lord Adonai. He called on the God of Israel. Now, why did he call on the God of Israel? A little conjecture here because we don't know for sure, but it doesn't say he called on the Lord. Maybe he didn't know the Lord by the name Lord. Maybe he didn't know the fancy compound names for Jehovah God, like Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who provides, like Abraham knew. Maybe he didn't know about Jehovah Rapha in Exodus chapter 15, like Moses knew, the Lord who heals. Maybe he didn't know about Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner in Exodus 17. Maybe he didn't know about Jehovah Rohi, David's God, Jehovah God, the Lord is my shepherd in Psalm 23. Maybe he didn't even know Psalm 23. He didn't know that his name was Jehovah God. Maybe he didn't know he was Adonai. He didn't know all the great attributes of God, but he knew there was a God in heaven and a God in Israel. 
And he, was, he figured he must be an Israelite. And he called on the God of heaven. You know, it's interesting. Kids can pray. Sometimes kids have great, greater prayer life than uh, adults have. How many kids know and they know who Jesus is in regards to his, uh, the mystery of the incarnation? The theanthropic union. How many know that? Many adults say, preacher, I don't know that. <laughs> Neither do I for that matter. The God-man union. God became flesh. Dwelt among us. When I got saved, I just knew that Jesus was the Son of God. He died on the cross. I didn't know he was God. I didn't know he was Emmanuel. I didn't know a lot of things about the Messiah, but I knew that if I called upon Jesus, whoever Jesus was, I knew he was God's Son. He died on the cross. That was good enough for me. And uh, he heard my prayer. So he knew his God. And he prayed, and he prayed a fourfold prayer. Here it is. Let me give you the, the outline here. Now the fourfold outline. It's four, four sections to this prayer. Notice it with me one more time. Verse number 10, 1 Chronicles 4. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, number one, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. He said, bless me. Then he said, number two, enlarge my coast or enlarge my territory, enlarge my dominion or enlarge my inheritance. Number three, and that thine hand may be, may be with me. Lord, that your hand would be with me. You might guide me in my life. And that thou wouldest keep me from evil or keep me from calamity. So we find this, this fourfold blessing. And going back to 21 years ago when Wilkinson wrote his book, The Prayer of Jabez, I asked Lucio, preachers know this, even Argentinian preachers know this. He read the book. And uh, it was it, all the preachers, we all read the book when it first came out. But uh, shortly after the book came out, there was a lot of critiques that came out about the book. In fact, from our circles, our evangelical conservative, i.e. slash fundamental circles, said there was a lot of criticism about the book of the prayer of Jabez and I, I read those critiques as well and I want to have a balanced approach here in regards to I want to before we enter into these four dissections of this prayer I want you to consider with me first of all uh, some critiques of some people some warnings some say that we don't build doctrine out of a out of one verse of scripture anywhere in the Bible that we take the Bible in its whole context that's true by the way be careful about taking, that's how culture started. Culture started by, there was a guy named Campbell, the Campbellites. He was a Baptist preacher, a fiery Baptist preacher from Kentucky, 160, 80 years ago now. And he was a Baptist and uh, had a great heritage and so forth. And he got mixed up on baptism and he decided that baptism was part of salvation. And he started a whole new, he started a whole new denomination called the Campbellites. Later it became known as the Church of Christ. My mother was, I've had in my, my office Church of Christ people. I've debated with them on numerous occasions. You're not saved unless you're baptized by immersion. And I'm a Baptist, so I always like to say that I believe in baptism. I believe in immersion, and it's a command of Christ, but it has nothing to do with salvation. In fact, if you think that baptism is part of your salvation, I question your salvation. I question whether you've been born again. You can take, but there's a verse that says, He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. You can take the Bible out of context. So you can take two verses and pull them out of its context and say, well, this is doctrine, this is Bible. We've got to take the Bible in all of its context. And, and we did that this morning. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. We've got to take it in its context. Are all those Roman soldiers in heaven tonight that going back to the crucifixion? No, they had to receive Christ as Savior. The Sanhedrin and on and on we could go. You've got to take the Bible in its context. So that was a critique that 
be careful about building doctrine, doctrine of blessing. Some have called this, by the way, charismatics and uh, Pentecostals, and I'm painting with a broad brush. They love this prayer of Jabez. There's the name it, claim it crowd. There's the Oral Roberts crowd. I'm going, I asked a question, I won't bother, you, know, you don't have to humor me tonight. Many of you don't know who Oral Roberts is, but some of you know who I'm talking about, you older folks. He built a hospital, and where's that hospital at? Where's that hospital at? Help me out, Oral Roberts University, help me out. Oklahoma, right? You guys are supposed to know some of this stuff here, some of you older folks. I think it's Oklahoma, Oklahoma City, I think it is, or I'm not sure, don't quote me on that. The hospital went out of business. Oral Roberts was a faith healer. Let me give you a little history, not too long ago, maybe 20 years ago. Oral Roberts said, God came to me in a vision, if God said we need $8 million, if we don't get $8 million, he said he's going to kill me. He said it on television, I'm not joking. And people gave money to, so Oral Roberts wouldn't get killed. You know, he's a name and claim it guy. You know, there used to be guys on the TV. There probably still are, you know. Put your hand on the television. I, there's another guy. I can't think of his name right now. The guy was a kook. The guy owned yachts. He owned mansions and so forth. And he, and he told people that if you give my ministry $1,000, God will bless you. I was in the house in Torrington, a very smart, educated guy. And we were sitting down in his living room. This is like 25 years ago. And, I, and he asked me about this, this televangelist preacher. He said, what do you think about him? And I can't think of his name right now. It's, it's, he's gone. He's, he's history. He was exposed on 2020, I believe it is, a television show for the charlatan that he was. And I said, I, I just creamed the guy. I said, he's a joke. He's a charlatan. He's a, he's a faker. He's a, he's a, he's a hypocrite. He's a, and I just called him about every name in the book. I just wanted to know he was a, he's a false prophet. And the guy said to me, I thought I was in good company. The guy said to me, really? You really think that? I said, yes, I do. He says, oh, I just sent him $1,000. And... Uh, I thought, I remember thinking in my mind, oh boy, I stepped right into it. I said, but I remember saying, you look smarter than that to me, but evidently you're not. And he, he was bamboozled. The, the critics have said that the prayer of Jabez is a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel message. And then they go a little bit, bit, bit deeper, still on the criticism, just for you upperclassmen. Evangelical slash fundamental Christianity would remind us that we're not Old Testament Christians or we're not Old Testament believers, we're New Testament Christians. If we go to Deuteronomy 27 and 28, let me do this quickly. Hope I'm not trying to lose you here. But we read about Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And the Mount of Blessing and the Mount of Cursing. You upperclassmen know what I'm talking about. And God basically said in the Old Testament, Old Testament covenant with people, with Israel, if you obey me, I will bless you. But if you disobey me, I will curse you. Now, we're, we're New Testament Christians. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, yea, and all that will live godly will be blessed, right? No, it doesn't say that. It says, yea, and all that will godly, live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? Suffer persecution. You see, without getting too detailed, too deep, and I'm already doing that, my apologies, we're dispensationalists. We believe God works differently in different periods of time periods. And we believe that's, there's a dispensational interpretation of the word of God. And the blessings and some of the covenant promises that we read in the Old Testament are for Israel. They're not for us. And yet, I, the comeback to my 
evangelical conservative critics and critiquers of the prayer of Jabez is we are very selective on what we want to believe. And I just, just in recent years, I realized that, you know, when we, I used to say all the time, we're New Testament Christians. We're not under the law. Well, we're not under the law. I understand that. And you, most of you understand that too. We're under grace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank God for the New Testament. But the New Testament is complemented by the Old Testament. And we, we're, we're, we're maybe New Testament Christians. That's true. I'm not denying that point. But we're Bible believers. All the Word of God is profitable. All the Word of God is for us. And so we like to pick and choose. We love our Psalms and Proverbs, don't we? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. And he shall direct thy paths. Well, that's nice, but it's only for the Israelite. Only for the Old Testament believer. No, that's for us. One of the first verses I learned, of course, was Psalm 23. I've already referenced it. David's Psalm was a shepherd's psalm. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's a promise to Old Testament saints. That's a promise to New Testament believers as well. There's many verses in Scripture. Psalm 84:11 comes to my mind. The Lord God is the sun and shield. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. There's plenty of case evidence to say that we can, there's verses in the Old Testament that we can apply. There's one interpretation of Scripture, but there's many applications. And so with that said, let me get off the critique. I used to, like Brother Sadler used to pray. Well, I'll give you one more. Nothing wrong with asking God to bless you. Numbers chapter 6, Brother Sadler used to quote this. Speak unto Aaron and his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. I end my word from the pastor almost always with, uh, God bless you. God bless you and yours. When I text people, a lot of times I'll end with, you know, God bless you and yours. I ask you, it's a prayer of benediction, a prayer of blessing. Lord, make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Lord, lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon their children of Israel and I will bless them. Who here doesn't want to be blessed? And all God's people said, well, three of you want to be blessed. <laughs> we all want to be blessed. The, the, let's go to the New Testament for just a moment. In the New Testament, we see that in the epistles, the letters, almost every one of the epistles end with a benediction, a prayer of blessing. The, the Lord bless you. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Thank God for benedictions and for, for God. God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. Nothing wrong with you wanting to be blessed. In fact, if you don't want to be blessed, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> I want to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. I want my grandchildren that are sleeping on me right now to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed. I want my unsaved family to be blessed. I prayed, I just get off on a tangent for just for a second, I'll get back on point. For many years, I resigned. In fact, I kind of quit praying for my dad. I never believed he'd ever get saved. Shame on me. Mom evidently kept praying for him. 55 years, 56, 57, 60, 64 years. He just celebrated 64 years of marital bliss. <laughs> I'm laughing because I know it wasn't always marital bliss. I can laugh now. But I remember crying a lot of times when I was a kid. Mom had an awful rough upbringing, and I don't want to tattle too much, but my dad wasn't the kindest man in the world. He was an unsaved man. I never throw my dad under the proverbial bus. 
but I never thought he'd get saved. I remember praying this prayer, Lord, the consignment prayer. Lord, I know my dad's going to die one day and go to hell. You're still God, and you're still a wonderful God, and you're still gracious, and I know if that happens, I want you to know I'll keep serving you. That was my prayer. Oh, me of great faith. But mom kept on praying, and as they say, the rest is history. It's been four years, it's five, five years now already since dad's been saved at 79 years of age. I pray with my dad now. I say, Dad, I love you. I said that more and, and prayed with him more. In fact, I never prayed with him before he was saved. Or, well, a couple of different times, I guess I did, but God's a good God. God. God wants more for my family. He wants more for your family than you want for your family. He wants more for your children than you want for your children. You know, my greatest concern now in life now used to be my children. It was first my wife, then my children, and then my, now my grandchildren, and now I think of them growing up in this wicked world that we're living in, this lost America as I see it, and I say, wow. I'm glad I'm going to be passing off the scene here in a few years, of course, the rapture's happening. But there's nothing wrong with praying for God to bless your life, to bless other people's lives, to bless your children's life, your family life, your church's life. Often we think of blessing, by the way, here's our, here's our dig here just for the record. We think of blessing in material or financial or physical terms even. And we, uh, we look at financial blessing like I had somebody just this past week. This happens, it seems like it happens almost nearly every week, but it happens every five or six or seven weeks. Somebody says something to this effect, preacher, if I ever win the lottery, the church is going to get a lot of money. It's like I, just, I, just, I usually just shut my mouth. Don't say anything. Don't go there. Just let it go. Let it pass. Let it ride. It'll, you know, just, you know, there, it's like I want to say, you're wicked! Put your dollar bill in the offering plate instead of ruining it on the, putting it towards the state. Oh. But there's nothing wrong with wanting to be blessed. Jabez said, Lord, bless me. We almost look at that as selfishly. But maybe we have a skewed version of what it means to be blessed. If you're blessed... If you're really blessed of God, I believe that you'll be a blessing. The song says, make me a blessing to someone today. I'll pick on Tim and Linda. They're not here tonight, and I don't want to lift them up more than anybody in the crowd. I, pardon me, I just look at Janet. Janet's a blessing. She drives far, farther than anybody in this whole church to come to church. She's here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night at the ripe young age of 39, I think she is. And uh, she, she's here all the time. She's a blessing. She's always never, never given me a problem. Now, George gives her problems, but I never give her a problem. But I think of Tim and Linda for just a moment here. They've been a blessing to me for Linda for 25 years. Tim for the last eight years, and this, for the last 15 months in particular. I called him this morning right before the 815 service. Just uh, my, our surrogate assistant pastor. Brother Lucio, I'm, I'm deputizing you tonight right now. You are our surrogate assistant pastor for the next three or four months. And all God's people said, amen. We just had our business meeting. He, he's, he's the man. So he'll be preaching. I could have him preach tonight, but we'll, we'll hear enough of him here in the next weeks ahead. So, uh, but these people have been blessings in my life. And uh, Linda Butler, and uh, let me not, is a blessing. It was uh, always a blessing to others because and in turn, she's been blessed. So Jabez said, Lord, bless me. We're not Pentecostal, but let's get Pentecostal for one minute here, okay? 
Let's out loud here. Let's ask the Lord to personalize and ask the Lord to bless you together. Here we go. Lord, bless me. Lord, bless me. Amen. George wants to be blessed. Amen. I told George, uh, let me run the rabbit trail. Let me run the rabbit trail. I called George this morning as he walked in, this evening as he walked in. I called him Gorgeous George. <laughs> now you're laughing. Who, who, who knows here? I'm looking for your older people. How do many know who Gorgeous George was? Gorgeous George was the rock. Or he was, uh, what was that guy, Austin? Uh, I don't know my WWE wrestling people, you know. Stone Cold Austin. He was the Stone Cold Austin of uh, the 1950s and 1960s. Let me tell you a little story. Gorgeous George, was the, he's a famous wrestler. No joke, I'm not making this up. Known all across America. Gorgeous George got gloriously saved. And he became an independent fundamental Baptist evangelist. He just died here about 98 years of age, just about maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago. Rough preacher. Yeah, I tell you what, I never heard him live, but I heard him on tape and so forth, and I heard stories about Gorgeous George. It was like, if you didn't want to get the paint uh, peeled off your, or the shoes uh, stepped on, don't listen to Gorgeous George, he'd let you have it. He was a man of God. He's crazy, but how'd he get off of that? Gorgeous George was blessed. <laughs> Not because he became a great wrestler, but because he became a child of God. We're blessed. You can ask God to bless you. Lord, bless me. Then, then two, three, four, they'll go much faster, I promise you. I'm looking at that clock here. We've got nine minutes. So I want you to notice. Then he said, back to, if you still have your Bible open. Oh, let me put these on here. You know, pardon me. I'm not joking. You're, you're just a big blur to me. It's all you really are. It's just a... When I put these on, it's even worse because these are just, I, I, got, I got bifocals coming this week. I'm looking forward to them. I'll be able to put them on, keep them on all the time and look at you. And you, you, right now you're fuzz. But, uh, but the word of God is clear now. When I take it off, it's like it's just a blur. I can't help it. And Jabez called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me and enlarge my coast. Secondly, his prayer, second prayer was enlarge my territory. Increase me. Give me a great inheritance. Remember Caleb, we mentioned Caleb earlier. Caleb, when he was 40 years of age, he went into the promised land. You know the story. Ten were good and two were, or ten were bad and two were good. Joshua and Caleb said, we'd be well able to overcome. And the people listened to the majority. And it cost them their lives, 20 years old and upwards. They all died in the wilderness, 40 years of wilderness wandering. But then Caleb goes into the land of promise He's 85 years old. He's either the oldest man in the whole nation of Israel or he's the second oldest man, one or the other. His counterpart was 85 as well. And he said, I'm as strong today, and I paraphrase, as I was the day when I looked at those grapes of Esco, where the grapes of Esco grow, the promised land. He says, now therefore give me this mountain. And Joshua said, go get it. He went up there and had to fight for it. And he got that mountain. And we sing the song, I want that mountain. Don't you want me to sing, don't you? I want that mountain where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of escrow grow. You better sing with me. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. The mountain that my Lord has given me. Who says I can't sing? Caleb wanted that mountain. He got that mountain. He said, God, enlarge my territory. Large my family's territory. 
You know, we bashed John and James's mother in the New Testament real quickly here. Just remember the story. Remember, he, she had the audacity to say, Lord, when thou comest into thy kingdom, may John and my two sons be on the right hand and left hand of, uh, of, of the father. And, uh, you know, we, we chastised her royally for that. And the disciples were disgusted as well. Not James and John, but the rest of them were. Is there anything too wrong with that? Lord, when I go to heaven... Help me to be right next to the mansion or right, right next to your throne here. Let me, let me, I want to be special. You know, the fact of the matter is, if you're a child of God, you are special. And you're as special as, uh, oh, I love the story of the Mamie Eisenhower, the, the mother of the president. I think there were three other Eisenhower boys, and there was a parade one day, and uh, the president, uh, Ike Eisenhower, was going by in the motorcade, and and the lady leaned over to Mrs. Eisenhower and said, I bet you're so proud of your son. And she said, she claimed to say, she said, uh, which son? I have four of them or three of them. I'm proud of them all. God loves his children. And God, uh, God says, Jabez says, large my territory. Give me prosperity. I like, by the way, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I wrote this down in my notes so I can say it. I like Mike Lindell. And all God's people said... I like Mike Lindell. I will never buy another pillow in my life unless I buy it from my pillow. <laughs> buy, buy my sheets, my, uh, buy everything from my pillow from now on. That's who I'm buying from. You say, preacher, why? I don't have time to tell you. Just, 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 just. Mike Lindell, he's, uh, he's Pentecostal, charismatic, I believe, but I like the guy greatly. I believe he's a brother in Christ. And he's a, he, got, he said, Lord, enlarge my business. God's enlarging his business, even though he's being, uh, he's being woke. He's being taken down online and so forth and, and uh, bed, bath, and beyond. I'll never buy bed, bath, and beyond in the rest of my life. He quit selling my pillow. <laughs> Let me give you a personal illustration just about enlarging my territory. Now, you may think this is boasting and brag. I have a poem, and I, I just popped in my head here. You know, I dreamed many dreams that never came true. I uh, dream many dreams that vanish at dawn, but I dreamed enough dreams to keep praying on, and keep on praying through, because God's blessed. When I became a pastor at 27 years of age, I don't believe I had, I had a lot of pride, but I don't believe I had pride in this aspect. We took Harvest Baptist Church. I got voted in by all five members. Storefront building, we had it for three days, and we got kicked out. I believed that God was going to bless our church. I was 27. I had a plan. I never told anybody. It was always internalized because I didn't want it to sound like it was boasting. That God was going to give us a building, not just any building. God was going to give us a building that would seat 500 people. This only seats 340, according to the fire marshal. Uh, I had a dream that God would, a vision, if you will. I'm a Baptist, after all. And I had a vision that God would give us 100 missionaries. I'm not joking. Back in those days, a million-dollar building seemed like a lot. Now we have $5 million worth of facilities here, but only 340-seat auditorium. I dreamed a lot of things, and then I dreamed a lot of things that have never taken place. Now, you know, young men dream, or young men see visions, old men dream, or I reflect on the past. I know... Many things that I wanted to see happen have not happened. But I'm so glad I dreamed anyhow. And I saw God do some miraculous, amazing, miracle, miraculous things. I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago in our men's, or rather our family business, meaning how God blessed us beyond belief. To God be all the glory. 
Hey, so there's no mistake. I know I've never thought, this is gospel truth, I never thought of myself as a great Christian. I've never thought that way. I never thought, I know that I'm a poor expositor of the word of God, that I'm just a mediocre at best. I know that I'm not a great preacher. I understand that. I've heard great preachers. I'm not one of them. I know that. I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm not a Michael Jordan on the basketball court. I, was, I played Sandlot basketball. I never even made it to, I couldn't make a high school team, let alone the NBA. I never thought I was a good Christian. But I've always thought I had a great God. And, I, you know, this is not a great church. But it's a church that has a great God. You're not a great superstar. Not in your, you shouldn't be in your own eyes, but in God's eyes, you're, you're, you're somebody special. You're his child. He wants to bless you and wants to enlarge your territory. And so dream and dream big. Caleb's, Caleb dreamed a dream. Then he worked his dream. And then he lived his dream. Kids dream. Dream big. Dream Shoot for the sky. Shoot for the moon. Shoot for the stars. And maybe you'll hit the moon. Dream and God will bless you. So Jabez, he prayed a prayer and he prayed, Lord, bless me. Lord, enlarge my territory. Number three and four. Oh boy, I got one minute to get you to give this here. Let your hand be with me. Lord, I want to do thy will. Lead me. Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Not my will, as Jesus prayed in the garden, but thy will be done. Lord, lead me. The greatest knowledge in all the world is to know the will of God for your life. The greatest accomplishment is to do the good will of God. It's one thing to know what God wants you to do. It's another thing to do it. Serving God really is simple. Love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the brethren. Consider others better than yourselves. And serve God. Joy. Jesus, others, yourself. Lord, help me to be guided by your hand. And fourthly, he said... Lord, bless me. Lord, enlarge my territory. Lord, let, let your hand be with me. And then fourthly, keep me from evil. Now, keep me from calamity. But keep me from, or keep me from sin, and, but also keep me from calamity. Keep me from being, as I, First Kings, First Corinthians 9 says, I fear better, that's by any means that I should be found, become a castaway. I tell the story, I'm, I'm winding down, the, the plane's coming down to the tarmac, we're ready to land here, folks, hang on here, another two minutes here. And I, I so told the story many times over the years, so I've had to be evasive, but uh, one of my, well, I've got to be evasive even with, let me just say it this way, one of my friends in high school, he was a somebody. He was Mr. Casanova, Mr. Goodlooking, Mr. Class President, Senior Class President. Mr. Captain of the basketball team, Mr. Good-looking, Mr. had a brand-new Mustang, 12th grader, had a family that was, uh, his mom and dad were somebodies. They had money and they had prestige and had power, and their son was tall, dark, and handsome, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. He had everything, and this, everything got saved. And he went off to Maranatha Baptist Bible College, Sarah, with me. He came in his car, and I really did have my 10-speed, and I'm not joking, 500 miles away from home. Two weeks into college, he decided this wasn't for him. Too many rules. He got in his Mustang and he went back to Ohio. 40, 
Five years have passed. I know where this gentleman lives today. I could tell you the name of the town. I know his house. I don't know his three wives he's had. I don't know his four or five stepchildren he has. I don't know his family any longer. We haven't talked in 30 years, 30 plus years. He, he got gloriously saved and he served the Lord for a short period of time, but he became a castaway. I think this brother will be in heaven. I think he got saved. I think he did. But he showed no fruit. He's, Paul said, I want to finish my course with joy. Acts 20, 24. None of these things move me, neither kind of my life, dear unto myself, that I may finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the gospel of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You want to know what my number one greatest fear is at 62, almost 63 years of age? Well, I'll tell you in case you don't want to know. Maybe you don't want to know, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. My greatest fear is that I won't finish my course with joy. Now, that's a good fear. It's a healthy fear. Because I want to finish my course of joy. And while I'm making this about me and so forth, uh, some things have happened in my life that I weren't planning on having happened to me. And I told somebody this past week, it's, in some ways, I don't want to be discouraging when I say this. I want to encourage you. It seems like in some ways it's harder for me to live for God today than it was when I was in my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, my 50s. You old folks, you can relate to this. It's tough getting old. And uh, things are happening to me and happening to me physically and so forth that I didn't count on. But I want to finish with joy. And by God's grace, Paul prayed, Lord, I don't want this thorn in my flesh. Three times he sought the Lord that the Lord would take it away from him. And the Lord didn't. He said, my grace is sufficient for thee. You know, the grace that brought me and saved me as a teenage boy. The grace that called me. The grace that saved me and saved my family. And the grace that has kept me these, and kept you these many years of your life as a Christian. So how many years have you been saved now? Is the same grace sufficient today? John 1.1, 1, 1, he gives grace on top of grace, grace for grace. His grace will be able to keep you and provide for you and take care of you in all that's going forward. So Jabez prayed that prayer and he said, Lord, I want you to bless me. I want you to enlarge my coast. I want you to your hand to be upon me, and I want you to keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he was requested. I want to hear those words. It's all right to amen this. You're not being, being proud. In fact, you're being foolish if you're a Christian and you can't do this. I want to hear, if you want to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, say Amen. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I want to finish my course with joy. A lot of Christians will be saved yet so is by fire. But Jabez said, Lord, I didn't start off too well. My name means pain. My name means sorrow. But by your grace, bless me. By your grace, enlarge me. By your grace, keep me. Let me do thy will. Keep your hand upon me. And by your grace, uh, keep me from evil. Keep me from calamity. Heavenly Father, gone a little long tonight, but your people listened attentively. Lord, we learned so much from just two verses of Scripture. Lord, I don't believe JBS was selfish for one second to pray that prayer. And Lord, you granted him his request. Lord, I pray, Lord, not for me tonight, I pray for people within the sound of my voice. I pray that you would bless each person within the sound of this voice tonight. 
bless them and theirs. Enlarge their coast. Enlarge their sphere of influence. Do exceedingly abundantly above all that they can think or ask in their life. Help them, dear God, to work their dream that you've given, put in their heart. Lord, may they stay in your will. Lord, may they not be default. May you keep them from evil, keep them from default, keep them from calamity. And Lord, grant them their request. Lord, when we get to heaven, be, we'll sing the song, It Was Worth It All. We look forward to your blessings. Lord, when you think of those that serve you, Lord, when you help, help us to be counted in that multitude, we pray. Bless in our invitation, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, 232, and it's 10 minutes after, 8 minutes after.